welcome to the Real Talk for Women in Business podcast, a podcast all about helping women entrepreneurs launch and scale their business. We share real truths, real insights, and really practical tips when it comes to juggling all things life and business. My name is Nick. I'm an intuitive business and life coach, an NLP practitioner, energy worker, and the driving force behind Nickel Start Coaching. I support business owners seeking to reconnect to the soul of their business and live a life filled with purpose and passion. Today, my coffee-loving co-host Leah of Meridian Digital will not be joining us. Instead, Katrina Carter is here from Carter's Moggy Minders. Before we bring Katrina on, here's a little bit about it. So Katrina's lifelong passion for cats led her to volunteering regularly at a local animal shelter for homeless cats and dogs and kickstart a local cat rescue. Katrina's volunteering experience in kickstarting a rescue made her realize she needed to learn more. So she successfully completed her Cert for in Companion Animal Services. Katrina's studies led her to obtain valuable experience within veterinary clinics. Located just outside Penrith, New South Wales, she established Carter's Moggy Minders in January 2019. And as she discovered, there's a need for cat-specific mining services in the Nepean area. Katrina's years of fostering and rehoming cats resulted in her having a cattery set up in her home. She loves the opportunity of turning the, her passion for cats into a local business. But Katrina is not only about cats, she offers a range of services for dogs and for cats. So I would like to welcome Katrina to the show. Welcome. Hi, how are you? Well, good. Thank you very much for joining me today. You're just coming out of school holiday period at the moment. So you're either, are you ramping down a little bit or, or is it still yeah. fairly? I'm ramping down a little bit, so it's a little bit back to normal life for me and not the craziness that I've had the last two and a half weeks. Oh, we were talking before the show and you were saying that because of people wanting to go on holidays, this is actually your peak period. Yeah, so like I just don't stop. And it's not just during the day, like my hours range from early in the morning and then I have a break in the middle of the day and then I'm back out. In, later on in the evenings because animals have breakfast and dinner they don't have lunch like we do so do you you have animal facilities at your home is that right yes I have a bedroom that is converted into a cat room and so your business isn't like you have flexibility but the flexibility is a little bit different to a business owner that might be a nine-to-five job as an example yeah, this pet sitting is not a nine-to-five job. Because okay. overnight as well, especially if an animal isn't used to being with you, like there would be nervousness and anxiousness. Yeah, so like it all, it all depends like when the cat stays here. It's a really an individual thing with individual cats. Most of the clients that I have, the cats usually take to the room very quickly because it's a quiet house, quiet room. And it's set up just for cats. So they they feel at home pretty quickly. Whereas other cats who aren't used to being out of their home can take up to 48 hours to adjust to a new environment. And that's where you have to always just poke your head in, make sure they're okay, make sure they're eating, drinking, doing everything that they're supposed to do. Because if they're not, then you have to contact the client and say, what would you like as your next step? Do I take them home? Or do I take them to the vet to get whatever they need because they haven't eaten and drink, had anything to drink in 48 hours? Oh, God, that could be quite, that's really nerve-wracking. <laughs> oh, God. Can be, yes, very. 
Yeah, and you've got to be careful as well because if you're anxious and, and nervous, then they'll feel that energy, won't they? Yes, uh, animals are better at reading body language than we are, unfortunately. <laughs> so the one thing as an animal person, you have to learn and your own body language as well as theirs. For sure. All right, well, take us back. Take us back to when you were volunteering and then that, that move to actually create your own business. Tell us a little bit more about that story. So I was volunteering at Animal, the Hawkesbury Animal Shelter, and I started there at about 2013. It was, when I first started, it was very, very confronting, as you can imagine. I I was coming home nearly every day crying, and my husband was like, I told you you would, and I'm like, yeah, all right, but it's just, but because of those beginnings, It didn't make me tough, but it made me be able to put that aside because I've dealt with those feelings. So because I was able to just work through that, I was able to then just give more and work out where I wanted to go from then. The emotional turmoil of seeing these poor, poor babies either left or injured or sick would have drawn at your heartstrings. Did you find that through wanting to work more with animals like you as you said you dealt with it so it was like okay now I can put that aside I've seen that I understand it I can still have compassion but I don't need to I don't need it to like pull me down sort of thing yeah one thing that a lot of animal workers get in all the industry is compassion fatigue so you have to be very aware of that for yourself I guess is it about not flipping it but saying you know instead of the compassion of oh my god like this is sad to the compassion of I want to find a better life or a better home or a better situation for the animal. Is that how it goes? Well, just that you realise that this is a reality and you can't fit, you're not there to fix everything. You can't possibly fix it all. And that's, I think a lot of business owners go into their passion feeling like they can, they need to fix it. And you just can't, you just physically can't. So you have to flip it and go, well, I can at least do what I can do. That's really interesting because it's true. When Irrespective of whether it's for animals or for people or a product that you might sell, you do go into it because you're passionate about it. But at the end of the day, what will be will be. So what you can do is support through that process. You can offer something. If someone takes it up, great. But if they don't, there's not much. You can only do so much, I guess. Yeah, and it's the same with the animals. There's only so much you can tell somebody or educate people in. And so now I look at it as I'm doing this business because even if I can educate one person at a time how to provide the best they can for their animal before it gets to the position of they have to surrender their animal to the pound because they've got no other choice. Are you also working with family owners not only pets do you find like during that process it was also people and as well as the animals it's actually both because of the experiences that I have with my TAFE qualifications I'm not a vet so I cannot diagnose I have to make that straight out I can say to people if I don't see something right I can suggest you need to take your animal to the vet or I, I have connections with a lot of people because of I am in the industry. So I know behaviour and trainers. I know veterinary clinics. I know I work with veterinary clinics. They, they recommend my business. So there's all these things that I can say, hey, go and see your vet. Maybe your vet might be able to recommend this. 
So you volunteered and you did your cert for. What made you decide to, like a couple of questions, what made you decide to start your own business but then also specialise in cattery and this, this, the different services that you do? Maybe talk through the services but also what made you decide to do those things and start a business like that? I had this qualification as a behaviour and trainer that I didn't exactly know what I wanted to do with it. I did it more for knowing more about animal husbandry and knowing more how to, like the whole what happens to your pet, the whole microchipping thing, all of that stuff. And I actually found it hard to get into the industry itself because it's very, very popular. It's one of the most popular industries. Everyone wants to work with animals. All right. And just before you go, animal husbandry, what does that mean? Basically how to look after your pet. So what their needs are, basically water, food, shelter, all that. Basically the meeting the needs of the animals. Um, So... From there, I just found it hard to get in the industry. I applied for quite a few jobs and you either had to have experience, like paid experience beforehand, which as a mature age person, that's just changed. I swapped from what I, like I went down a completely different path to what I was doing. So being a mature age person with no experience in anything animal related except voluntary, yeah, it was a really kick in the guts to say, well, no, we don't, We, you just don't have what we need at this point in time. And it's like, well, how do you get what you need without getting into a paid position, which is what most of us, I think, have gone through. And, and because I already more or less had the setup, because I have, so I've fostered personally in about five years over 100 cats. Wow. So is that fostering and then rehoming? Yes, so saying goodbye. So, um, so, but not goodbye in a bad way, goodbye in a good way before yeah. you places like that. <laughs> yeah, and from then my the lady that was in charge, still is in charge of my rescue, sort of said, well, why don't you start your own business pet sitting? That wasn't my idea. It was somebody else's idea to do that. And I, I was fighting it for a little while because I knew that business owners had, didn't just have stuff they love. They have all the stuff they hate, like paperwork, admin, or just the behind-the-scenes stuff that people don't, your clients don't see all the work that you do at home when you're not out doing what you do. So I was fighting that a little bit because I just didn't want all that responsibility so, yes, I was a bit petrified, but in the end I was like, stuff it, I'm not getting anywhere. And the beauty about that is now I can do my own hours. I can say I'm getting to the point where now I can, if I if there is a client that I don't really want to take on, I don't have to take that person on. I can say no. Oh, that's good. My mould, so. So you just talked about the front end side of things and then there's the back office side of things. Are there regulations or like legislation or anything to do in that the animal welfare that you've got to do as well? So the animal industry is regulated, which really annoys me because it means anybody can walk in and say they're a behaviour or a trainer. Anybody can walk in and do pet sitting. There isn't any regulations regarding that. But there are regulations in the way that we look after our animals, like the Companion Animal Act. 
and propped up the provision of cruelty to animal act that i as a pet sitter and anybody who does animal or anybody who owns an animal has to know and follow well that's good at least there is although there's not as you say it's not regulated there are acts that still support the welfare of these animals so that's that's a really important thing even during this covid period i'm still classed as a critical worker because i'm animal welfare Oh, right. And what? why is that? Why were you considered a critical worker? Because I still have to go and feed people's animals. So I still had people who were working long days who were hiring me to be with their animals because they were in, that, in the emergency services during COVID. So I still had to work all through COVID. How was that? Was that, a, was that an easy thing for you to do or was it quite taxing like emotionally and physically? <laughs> It was fairly easy because I was fairly, as you can imagine, I went absolutely completely dead. Yes, yes. Cancelled, everyone stopped um, because the world stopped. But I still had the odd client where because of their situations, they aren't able to look after their animals on their own and needed help to look after their animals. I was still doing that all the way through COVID. So during that period of downtime, did you actively have to think about other ways to bring income in or was it just organic that, okay, now we're seeing people that are still working these long hours, there's a need there? How did that work? So I was able to get the government assistance, the yep. job. My accountant helped set that up for me. So that that was allowed me to like concentrate on what I'm I didn't have to stress so much about going out there and finding work because in the end I knew that the clientele that I had built up was already loyal to me and I knew as soon as everything opened up again that I, I sort of took it as downtime because I knew as soon as everything was free again that so the Christmas had just gone, I was smashed the whole Christmas holidays. Yeah. Everyone's starting to go and have get away from their house and go on holidays, aren't they? So the last two holidays, Christmas and Easter, were fairly big ones for me. Wow. And was that a combination of you having to you having the this, the pet mining at home as well as you going in and feeding at people's houses? Yeah. So the majority of my day was spent away. So I was doing up to ten pet sits a day. Wow. So and the majority of that time was actually spent travelling in the car. Believe it or not. No, I believe it. Because do you don't just do the Nepean or do you only just do the Nepean area? So now I'm in a, so when I first started, I couldn't be that picky. Mm -hmm. I had to go out of my area a little bit. So I do do Hawkesbury. I do do the Blue Mountains as far as Blacktown. But now I'm getting to the point where I'm like, I don't really want to take clients that are that far and concentrate mainly on the pen rest. I know when I first started, I was like, I was hustling everything. I said, yeah, I'll take you on, I'll coach you. And I was coaching people for free or for cheap, like cheaper rates or whatever it was. You just wanted to get clientele in. But then it's nice when you get to a point where you say, you know what, I actually don't need to take you on now and you don't fit my ideal client or you're not in my area. Right. So I still honour the client, my original clients that I have in the outer areas. But I've also raised my prices for new newer clients because the fuel prices have gone up. Unfortunately, I have to include a slightly higher rate for new clients who want to join me outside of the Penrith area. So how when you came to raising your rates, was that something that you struggled with or was it a 
you know what, I need to do this because I can't afford to otherwise. And to do it. The majority of my clientele now is in Penrith, which is really great. And it's amazing, like, when I explain it honestly to new clients, they're like, no, and we understand that fuel's high. So mm. I've never, I haven't had anything negative about it, which is really lovely. That's good. What other services do you provide? I offer dog walking. Right. I offer claw trimming, and I'm better with that, that cats and I am with dogs. I will actually refer people to groomers that I know who are really experienced with dog nail trims. I offer a pet grieving service. So if you've lost your pet, I can go in and clean up after them and do all that for the owner and oh. chat, chat about, sit and have a chat to yeah. them. And then in a week's time when the ashes are ready to be picked up, I can actually go and do that if the owner feels that they can't physically go and do that themselves. Yeah. What else do I do? I go to, as I said, I go to people's houses I offer vet trips as well. So there's a lot of elderly people who cannot physically get their animals to the vet. How do you advertise all of these services for the elderly? They're not on the internet generally. So how do people find out about you and and find those services? Um, A lot of things now, because I've been doing this for three years, a lot of it's word of mouth. Oh, good. Good, good, good. And vet clinics know who I am now, as I said. So I've got fellow groomers who know who I am. I've got other pet sitters who know of me. So it does, once you're in the industry with any industry, owning a small business shouldn't be competition. It's about helping each other. Well, that was going to be my next question. When you spoke earlier about it's such a competitive environment because so many people want to get in and help animals and, and I agree, it should be collaboration and connection over competition. Like that's the way it should be for any. Yeah, if there was 100 pet sitters in Penrith, there'd be more animals out there to cover than there would be pet sitters even with that amount. Yeah. yeah. Oh. In your bio, it did say that the Nepean has had an increase in, in animal um, ownership or maybe homeless animals, I'm not sure. But have you seen that increase and, and what do you attribute that to, do you think? I- I attribute that to our growth. And like if anybody's seen Penrith in the last 10, 15 years, we've got sky-rise apartments now that we never had before. We've got all these new estates that have never been here before that have just gone absolutely gangbusters. Mm. People in high-rise buildings still, believe it or not, have pets. They oh, still really? have birds, yeah. Okay. My now the interesting part of my job now is working out how to how to navigate these new high rise buildings because each of them are all different and yeah. So at the moment you don't see your business slowing down. It can only either stay or increase. Yeah, and and it will get to the point where I'm going to say no more clients because only me. I've thought about hiring, but. The problem with that is then that creates its own unique problems because you have to make not only the clients happy with you but the person you've hired. Mm. The clients don't trust the person I've hired. They trust me to go into their home, not the person that I've hired. I was going to say I would imagine that a big component of your work that you do is trust because I know as an animal my babies and my babies and I don't trust them with anyone else. They can't speak and we've learnt to 
understand their way of communicating with us. So to give them over to someone else that doesn't understand that it really makes me anxious. So I, I can understand that trust is a big component. So as, you, as a pet sitter, I get to know your animal, your pet's little nuances and, and things that they like and hate and do and and then to employ somebody else and they have to learn all that as well. So it's, it's a catch-22, do I get bigger and take more on or do I keep it that smaller business and offer that personal touch at yeah, well, any more from the bigger businesses. Well, that's what I've, I've decided myself. Do I bring people on? Do I have myself a little team? But to be honest, as I'm getting older now and I've, I've had the teams, I've done all these things, I'm quite happy to have the flexibility of my home and everything here and then do my do my work without having an additional employee. Like That's just the way I've decided with my business model. Then that's just another thing that you've got to add on to your paperwork and your you know, your back, back space. Yeah. So a big part of your business operating model would be having the low overheads, so keeping it as minimal like in the back end as possible. Yeah, or the other option I could do is eventually outsource. Yeah, okay, right. Nobody else to do all the back end of my business because I like doing all the animal stuff. I'm not giving that up. Exactly. So you've got these connections with, you know, like groomers and veterinary clinics. What about suppliers? You would supply things like food and there are other things that you would need. Do you also have connections with suppliers? No, no. So part of my terms and conditions is I don't supply the food. That's still up to the individual pet owner because, as you can imagine, if I tried to supply food, every pet is on unique diet. Every pet owner feeds their pets different things. Yeah. Uh, it would just be impossible to keep food here constantly. And that's also a great way to keep the overheads down as well so you don't have things in storage that are going off. If I have four cats on four different diets, Helena, I think everyone else is a bit. Oh, wow. So why are they on different diets? Because they have different things, health issues that they're dealing with. Poor bubbies. One of my dogs, she's highly anxious and her joints are really, really bad. So whereas the other two aren't. So we've got to make sure she's got her own little diet as well. What do you love about this work? What really makes your heart just pound with love doing this work? I think I love the fact that I get to see animals that are home on their own a lot while their owners are away. And just the excitement that I get when I come to the door and you don't get that with people. Every day I get that with animals that I see, but you don't get that same excitement that with people every day. So exactly. I've got three kids and they couldn't care about seeing me, whereas my dogs are jumping. They want to jump into my lap and just stay there forever. I, th- I think that's part of it and the fact that, that there are some pressures on me, but I don't feel like I'm working. Yeah. Yeah. When I used to work in my various full-time paid positions, I'd come home exhausted at the end of the day. Whereas with this, I can do an eight-hour day and come home. Why am I not tired? I should be tired. I've been out eight hours, but I don't have that same exhaustion that I had. How could you be exhausted with all the animal energy, like all that love coming at you? (laughs) Uh, so going from the volunteering to creating your own business was there anything that 
you've learned during that period that you wish you had known before? Are there any lessons that you've learned during that time or wish you'd done differently? I think I, because I wanted it so bad, I moved pretty quick with the whole process. I wanted it bang, bang. Yep. I think maybe just take more time at the beginning of your business. Don't expect everything to happen all at once because it, it, it won't. And if you take too much on too quickly, then that just adds more stress because you're not used to so not used to the way your business runs. You've got to work out processes and systems to and work out your own. Don't copy everybody else. Your own your business is your own. Yeah. You know, now three years on, I've pretty well got systems in place, what ifs in place. Because animals are live beings and things can happen. If I'm out with a big dog or I'm at a client's house with a big dog and it collapses on me, who do I use to help me pick up this big dog, put in my car? I can't pick up a 30-kilogram collapsed dog on my own. So I ask clients, are you happy? You know, there's at least two mobile vets that I know in the area. So I take advantage of using mobile vets and it hasn't happened yet but I've got that what if in my in my phone I can look up a mobile vet I know who they are and ring them and say can you come out this has happened that's it there's a couple of things in there so the what if scenarios that's definitely one thing I I work with my clients on because they're they're so passionate about what they're doing they don't look at any of the potential risks that can happen so we were always building that yeah business plan and the what if scenarios you know and because you want to be able to if something does happen be able to respond with the knowledge of of what you can and can't do I think that's really important the other thing that was really pertinent and something that I'm, I'm focusing as well in my own business at the moment is creating those rituals and that rhythm so that operating rhythm so that you know exactly how you run your business because when you come from a corporate space that's already in place. You've already got brands. You've already got a way of working. And then when you come to your own business, firstly, you're on your own. You don't have people to do things for you. You don't have people in your office to bounce ideas off. So first of all, you've got to understand that side and then build in that rhythm so that you know what you're going to do each day or you've got the contingencies or whatever you might might be doing. A McDonald's background. No, having the knowledge that I gained from working at McDonald's for over eight years actually helped me quite a bit with my own business. Yeah. That's fantastic. That's really good. Yeah. All right. Well, I've got three quick questions to, to end us up. The first one is your top tip for being a woman in business. Learn to say no. Oh, and is that to who? To everybody? Yeah, especially if you feel a client or a person is pushing you into do something that you don't want to, say no. Don't give a reason. Don't say what. You don't have to give a reason. You, you, you are, you're in your own business. Mm. Say no. Yeah, and it's true because, like we were saying earlier, when when we first start, we just do everything because we just want to get our brand out there and we want to start bringing some money in. But you need to get to a point where you do put those boundaries in because if you keep accepting it and be everything to everyone, you'll crash and burn. So it's it's really important. So that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. What do you love about being a business owner? My own rules. Yeah. 
Yep. Not being, I suppose, sort of, if I stuff up, I stuff up. That's true. Not not being told off by somebody because you've done it wrong. Like, I used to hate that. It's your accountability. It's your business, your accountability. And if you stuff something up, well, that's on you. Yeah, yeah. You're the one that has to deal with the client. So as a as the business owner, you're setting the expectation of this is what you will get, and you need. And obviously, the client also has their own expectations. Yeah, yeah. So, so I suppose I, I'm not. People say, "Oh, you work with animals; you don't have to put up with people." I still have to put up with people. I've got to put up with their neurotic mother and father. So, <laughs> I was actually going to say, I would think that pet owners. I've seen parents of children, how neurotic they can be, or I shouldn't say neurotic, but, you know, protective of their kids. Pet owners. Mm -hmm. Yep. I know I would be. Like I said, if anyone treated my babies badly, (laughs) like all hell would break loose. Yep. So that's interesting. How do you manage clients then? How do you make sure you've got this good relationship and you're meeting the expectations? I think because I'm a crazy animal person myself. (laughs) So I get where they. I think it's um, getting where they're coming from. Yeah, I think that's important as business owners that we do understand what the customer experience is, or putting ourselves in their shoes, so we can understand what they might be feeling at any given time. Yeah. Mm, okay. And important. All right. What about as the last one? What is your superpower? So. Yes, crazy animal lover, but what is the, what is the superpower that you bring to the table? I think it comes back to that last thing about I think my superpower is not only do I get on well with the animals, but I get on well with the clients. I know exactly how. If I was in that client's position and somebody hurt my cats, they know about it. So my superpower that's why I think my business is going really well because I have that do you think it would be different if you didn't have your cats not necessarily like because I think have if I didn't have any animals now because of things have happened I've had animals in the past yep okay yep and I'm also been in a volunteer situation where to me, if an animal is placed in my care, to me, I consider that my animal. Yeah, yeah. And that's how you have to do it. Yeah. You have to consider other people's animals your animals because if you don't, then you lose that. That's so important. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. And I, I hope that our listeners got to learn a bit more about animal husbandry, what it's like to be a compassionate business owner, but also the need for the processes and the things that you need to have in the back office as well as the front end. So thank you so much for sharing your stories. Thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure. All right. So thank you so much, everyone, for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to leave a review on iTunes, Spotify or Google Podcasts or wherever you're listening from. It will help other people just like you find us to be notified when our next episode is released. Be sure to hit subscribe. And finally, if you've got a burning question or topic you'd like us to cover, please email realtalk.wib at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. So until next time, thank you, Petrina. Really appreciate your time. Uh, and And I look forward to getting this out for everyone to listen to.